Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Gar and I'm here with Paul. How is things? Things are fine. Things are things is them. Are, yeah, is them. <laughs> them things is fine. Still uh, locked up as home. Uh, locked, locked up as home. Locked up at home. <laughs> locked. Up, I'm locked up as a home. No, listen. The day I'm after, I who believes the day I had. It's fucking mad. There's no point in me telling anybody uh, on it now because they're not going to hear it until Monday. Because I'm going to tell everybody the type of day I had this Saturday. But hang on, do you know what? Uh, do you know what they won't be hearing? What? Yeah, your fan. You got a new fan. I did get a new fan, and it's. Uh, I actually just <laughs> as I was while I was waiting on you to uh, connect, I took the old fan. I must take a picture actually. I took the old fan, and I wanted to see if there's any way I could take it apart and like get some like sewing machine oil into the ball bearings or something, you know? Because I think that's all it was. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I made an absolute bollocks of it, and the whole thing disintegrated in my hand. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. Like I could, I can't open up anything like uh, technologically. Like it falls no, apart. All the no, springs pop out. Yeah. No, I took it apart fine, but when I went to um, part of the base of it was glued onto like a little PCB board, electronics board, and right. um, when I tried to, it was like uh, it's only a light glue. But when I tried to lift it, um, a lot of the spokes and the fans started disintegrating, and then for some reason oh, something right. popped off, and there's all these like tiny micro wires. I mean micro wears look like, i think it's i think we know that this podcast for now months now we we've known that that fan wanted to die it was dying to die and i wouldn't mind <laughs> it, it actually it, it arrived what yesterday and it couldn't have arrived at a better day because the night before i turned the computer on and wanted to do some music stuff and uh i turned the computer on and the computer came up with a fan error in the box uh, here so i was Uh-oh. like the second i turned on i was like press f1 to continue no fan detective was like oh my god i'm fucked I'm fucked, I'm fucked, I'm fucked. And of course, fucking, there you go. There's a talking cat. Hello, talking cat. You heard um, that, yeah. Of course yeah. I did. The fucking good old talking cat. <laughs> and um, the, uh, the postman, blip blop, fucking in the post. Thank fuck for Lithuania. Came through. They're a bit late, but that's not their fault. That's the postal service. It came though, yeah. <laughs> it's here. You forgive it because you got what you wanted eventually. You got what I wanted. Now, it's not a new, it's not a new fan. It's a reconditioned fan, um, which is fine. Now, to be honest with you, now that I know that this works, the second I fucking hear um, this starting to go, I'm just getting, I'm going to order two of them to keep them spare because yeah. uh, I'm now an expert in fan replacement. It was a nightmare. A was nightmare. It? You want to see. I would have been taking photos of the job I had to do on the laptop, except I had a tutorial on YouTube on the phone. Like, <laughs> by the time I was finished, the laptop, no word of a lie, was in 50 different pieces. Like the keyboard is out, the bezel is out. There's no, obviously sheets of aluminium and like oh. to- the tiniest screws, like uh, like hair size screws. Um, I can't deal. I can't deal with that at all. I got it all I done. Can't. Now I took it apart about two months ago. I took it apart to try and clean the fan. So I had a rough idea about what to expect. But uh, yeah, I, t- I took it out. Took out the old one. The old, I won't mind. The old one is spinning like freely in my hand. You know. Of course it is, but when you put it into the thing. Well, look, just so people don't think that we're doing an episode on fans. Yes, yes, We yes. should tell them we what should. today's episode we should. is. Uh, one we talked about doing for ages, and it's 90s dance music, or 90s dance yes. songs. Yeah. Uh, long, long time. This was one of the first drafts we was. ever did. Yeah. I think we're finally getting around to it now. And I have to say, looking through the list, it's almost too good because we haven't picked anything too risky. No, but at the same time though, this is version one where these songs have to be in because this is the yeah. best. We're yeah. picking the best of nineties dance. Yeah, like there's no no mistaking that. Jesus, this is fucking this. Oh, this is unreal. So yeah. I I wanted to play around a bit more with some kind of lesser 
well-known ones, but I was like, no, no, I'm going to scan it. We'll do that the second second volume. Yeah, we have to just get the big ones done now, I think. Big ones, yeah, but yeah. I don't have a problem with that because these are all whoppers. Oh, yeah, just, they're all murderous. Every one of them is a fucking murderer. Like. Uh, well, let's kick straight into it then. Who is your first uh, call? My first one is, I think it's like one of the daddies of them all. It's Rhythm as a Dancer by Snap. Yeah, big time. Like, Jesus, that, that song still gives me mad chills. Just whatever way the intro strings are, or the, the riff of the synth line, whatever it, way it just comes in. It's so Jesus. good. It reminds so me good. as well as that. It always reminds it's associated with happiness, obviously as well, because that is my 90s, like, I was like Go to. 10, 10 or 11. Yeah, in the disc in the disco, uh, like ten p plastic cups of supermarket <laughs> coke and a Mars bar, yeah. and they're ready to dance for five <laughs> hours straight. Five hours straight dancing. This the song, <laughs> this song reminds me of a very different time than what you just described. This song reminds me of the Lebanon. Yep, the Lebanon. The Lebanon, because. When were you in the Lebanon? I'm going to open a can. Um, I'm drinking soda water like a sap. Um, I can't be, I'm not arse drinking tonight. It reminds me of the Lebanon because um, I, f- I, I had heard it on the radio, but I didn't know who it was written like that. And my yeah. uncle, my uncle who was in uh, the army, he went to the Lebanon and he came back with suitcases full of bootleg tapes. I mean suitcases of all these like you know the type of people used to bring back from Turkey like like fucking the original cams that they'd have like yeah. movies VHS movies and there'd be people walking in front of them and shit like that these were yeah. like the audio versions they were all like high speed dubbed onto the worst possible cassette quality like them all black cassettes that you couldn't even see the tape inside them and oh yeah I love them. them yeah Although I don't like not being able to see the tape for some reason. I know, you have to be able to see the window. tape. Yeah, you have yeah. to be able to see the tape. It's part of the tape experience. But yes. uh, he'd come back and they'd be like colour copied or even sometimes just photocopied um, with the covers and stuff. Oh, and yeah. It sounded like gack. But I always remember him bringing me back fucking, well, not me back. He brought back suitcases of tapes. And it was like some of them were for him, some of them were for me, and some of them was for whoever wanted to grab them. Because they were literally nothing. They were, I think... I think what it was, they used to like 20 tapes for an Irish pound, is what they used to cost. Jesus. And were these just singles? No, these are all full albums. Oh, right. Yeah. They had albums, and, but he had singles as well. Like, but That's the first time I heard um, Anthrax Sound of White Noise as well. He brought back a copy of that, um, mm-hmm. a rip of that, because he, he knew he was into the metal, and he saw a metal one. Anthrax has into to be a metal. metal band. Yeah. And he brought Actually, that back. F- funnily enough, do you know who else was into the metal? Yeah. The rapper from this band. Yeah, what was his name? Turbo B. That's right, Turbo B. He's a metal, heavy metal drummer from America. Really? So, so Rhythm is a Dancer, Snap. Snap are the German duo. I don't really care that much about the people behind this music in this instance because it was the Americans that I liked in this. So this was Tia Austin and Turbo B. That's right, yeah. Uh, thing. And he was a heavy metal dr- drummer, turned soldier, then turned rapper. And they obviously had that song, uh, The Power, too. Yeah. Um, I think there's another singer, Penny Ford, but she left and she wasn't part of this album. So I think she um, toured with her own version of Snap for Ages as well. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, this was the this song was um, Jesus, I can't I can't stop linking just the smoky video on. I think it's, they did yeah. at Kennedy's Air Base. Yeah. yeah, America, and it's just it's iconic, absolutely iconic. A huge song, yeah. 
And uh, this, th- there's an album version I listen to. It doesn't sound as good. Or it's a yeah, different there's version. a longer one. I have, this is the seven inch edit. I have this on seven inch. And then I have another version of it somewhere on 12, which is like the radio one. Like it's like six minutes long or something. Um, yeah. It's the, the problem with loads of this kind of dance music is that it's very hard sometimes to find a definitive version of the song. Yes, I did notice that. And yeah. I had to really hunt down the versions of some yeah. of these. Because we, like, as well as that, the ones we heard are versions of songs that had been out two years, didn't do well. Yeah. They remixed it and it really yeah. released it. Yeah. And that's the kind of cool thing. You can re-release a song if it's remixed by someone big. Big time, that's, yeah. what we, that's what we got a few times. Yeah. But um, this, um, this song is perfect. Absolutely, from start to finish. Vocally perfect. The lyrics are all garbage. Mm. Also, weirdly, the lyrics, rhythm is a dancer. What, what do you think the next line is? Rhythm is a dancer. It's a soul romancer. You can feel soul. it in the air. Nearly, it's a it's a soul companion. Ah, really? But that's rhythm w- is for a dancer. Well, you got it's closer than I did. I always thought it was rhythm is a dancer. It's a source of magic. That's what I thought it was. Mm. It's a source of magic. Not that at all. I remember. It's a soul, it's a, no, I guess, soul something or a, I remember yeah. something like that. Um, and obviously, there's that line in it, that dubious line, I'm as serious as cancer when I yeah. say rhythm as a dancer. That's a great like, line, though. That's a great fucking think, line. Do you know what? That's actually from an Eric B. and Rakim song called I Ain't No Joke. Mm. He took it, lifted it directly from that. Where I got a question, a serious as cancer. Yeah, Who can keep it? the average dancer? Yeah, and, um, similar year, all right, yeah. Yeah, that, well, that was 87. Mm. So, yeah, it was five, five years before this. Yeah. Um, this is a. This was never planned to be a single. This was just an album track. Oh God! Uh, yeah, the DJs used to teach, like the guys in Snap. I didn't write down their names. I straight up don't care. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I care about the people I can hear. In this instance, I know that's crazy. They're the ones that wrote it. Actually, no, Tia Austin uh, wrote uh, loads of the loads of the music. And, um, yeah, but um, it, it, they they played it a lot while they were DJing. And this, they came to this one as well as the power. We all know the power. Power, like, God that, that song as well, like incredible. Um, but your man Turbo B rejected it as well the first time he heard it. He's like, Really, this is crap. Um, so but when it started getting good again, he rewrote the rap. Uh, he went, Shit, okay, it's good. Rewrote it. That's when he added that line, uh, I'm as serious as cancer. It's grand, his rap is deadly, and it's yeah. kind of fucking. I don't well, know. Was he, he an really, actual rapper? Like, I wonder yeah. if he put stuff out after, like, I'm sure he did after he that. He did, yeah. He, put, he, was in a, he was in a band called, I think, we were called the Fat Boys. Um, oh, was yeah. he in the Fat Boys? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. All right. I have a lot of Fat Boys. So I didn't know who it would be. I don't know much about the Fat Boys. I have a lot of their stuff, Harry. I think it was the Fat Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Like, that yeah. sounds, it sounds about right. Time wise yeah. as well. And he went to Germany. Uh, I don't think it was anything to do with the military. He was in Germany. He went over there because that's where the dance scene that's, was. Well, that's, that's where the music yeah. was as well in the yeah. early 90s. Like, a lot of money um, there. That's that's really all I have on that. Mm. This is kind of this is more playlist based. We were gonna do clips, but there's no point. This is no. you, you need to listen to the build ups in these songs and yeah, the just, intros. Yeah. You need to hear. The, there's no point in playing clips of these like we did yeah. with the the other ones as well. Um, listen to this playlist. Uh, you'll great, you'll be hearing this playlist. before you hear the playlist because we're not releasing the playlist straight away yet. Yeah. And some sneaky people reading them go, yeah, Roy, I get the idea. I'm not listening to that. Part. Yeah, there's people doing that, and it's it's kind of defeats the purpose because we we talked about this so. in the radio show because it's the idea of the podcast is the journey and us talking about the music. It's not just the playlist. Yeah, like listen, we could pump out forty playlists a week if that's what people want. If people Jesus, don't want podcasts yeah. and they just want playlists, not look no further. Like let's be honest, yeah. look no further. 
it doesn't matter what songs about I don't know dicks on fire grand you can have two of them this week you know what I mean <laughs> well no problem no problem songs about washing yeah. your dog no problem play full playlists no what all yeah. day but this is a fucking podcast let's do podcasts and there's yeah, loads like of this, people this, if you, like if I said, you look at it, if you look at a song on the playlist and go I don't like that song you probably you could love the story behind it exactly anyway, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get too much into that that's what I'm saying <laughs> that's the reason that we should explain that we're not releasing them straight away yeah won't people uh, listen to it and kind of not know what song is coming next or be interested in it rather than make a snap judgment. Yeah. A snap, a snap Aye. judgment. Who's your next one? Who's your first one? My first one is It's Hadaway with What Is oh, Love. Yeah. This is a, a ginormous banger. It is. It's huge. It's, it's, it's a fucking mega huge. Uh, this came out in 1993. A lot of my stuff seems to be kind of 92 to 94. Same. Yeah. 92 to 95. I think yeah. one or two are outside that. But that's, that's the golden age of dance. Yeah, big time. Uh, so Hadaway's real name is Nestor Alexander Hadaway. He was born uh, born in Trinidad and Tobago. and moved to Yeah, but moved to Germany. I thought uh, he was Dutch. No, he's, yeah, he lives in Austria now. Lives in Ooh. Austria. Now, here's what's weird. Born in Trinidad and Tobago, moved to Germany when he was young. And at the, at the age of, I think he was like nine or ten, he moved to America. He moved to America. America. And I think that's where he got interested in music and stuff like that. And he ended up, he got a doctorate in philosophy over there and ended up coming back to Germany. Jesus, uh, he could have been in our... Uh... Side jobs. Yeah, you had to get a bunch of them. <laughs> well, there's one or two side. It's actually a side job popping up now in in another in another, uh, another Good. boy. That that's very fucking weird. Uh, he, he listen. He he put out a shit ton of fucking albums, and he actually had a bunch of singles that done real well before and after this. And then he just kind of, as what happens to everybody from the early nineties, ninety nine percent of the acts from the early nineties is just going to disappear into obscurity. This song was fucking huge. It was yeah. so big. This is one of those. Um, I, I kind of have, like, the podcast is 90s dance, but you've got one or two in there that I consider to be, they're absolute bangers and they were famous, but they were famous in different scenes. This is one of the songs yes. that was famous in every scene. This is like, Yama was singing it. That cat in the background is singing it right now. You know the what I mean? The cat is singing yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you tell him to, I don't even know how you tell him to stop. It doesn't matter, let him sing. he's a cat. Let him sing. Let, the, let him have a voice, man. And um, I, lo- I love that cat. I love that guy. Um, so he made a statement. This is actually very weird. He made a statement in 2011 saying that like, I'm still touring, you know, but um, I decided to concentrate on like a different part of the world that needed my music. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because yeah, I'm concentrating on like the East. And then he's so the interviewer was like, what do you mean the East? And he's like, oh, you know, like uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Siberia, places like that. That's where I'm doing all my gigs now. So if you yeah, want to see... Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize there was a giant market there. <laughs> so if you want to see Hadaway now, you need to go to fucking Uzbekistan or, or Kazakhstan or Siberia. Fucking Siberia, where there are tigers that kill people at jails. Just gulags and tigers. Um, gulags. And tra- uh, train, train side towns where models are stolen. Um, I watched a documentary on that, which is fucking mental. Uh, the Russian fashion agencies hop on the like the Trans Siberian Express, right? Yeah. And this is it's fucking batshit, man. They hop on the Trans Siberian Express and they take it the full way. And every town they get out, they have like one or two of these trips that they do a year, and they let it be known all across fucking like Russia and the Associated States that they're going to be in this town at this time on this day. 
and all the local girls, like oh, literally, you tell me about this. It yeah, could be like hard. 11, 12, 13, it doesn't matter, right? Who like are considered to be the best looking girls in the town or like the collection of huts that they live in. They all go to this fucking wherever the train stops. <laughs> That's a disparaging comment about right? Siberia. But you want to see some of these places, man. Like, we're talking full gold rush fucking, like, Wild West towns, right? And uh, so they just stand there and wait there. And these fucking, like, uh, like Russian baddies, basically, get off the train. And they like, yo, 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 come with me. And they get in the train and they bring them off to Moscow and they fucking, whatever, feed them or starve them and wash them and shave them and then send them off to fucking London where they get picked to be, like, one out of a thousand might become, you know, a model or whatever the fuck. Anyway. I'm terrified to ask what happens to the rest of them, so let's move on. They just go home. No, they just go home. They're sent home. Um, And I think they they help the girls from, like, the next year or the year after or whatever the fuck it is. I mean, they've got another shot. It's a bit like The Voice or something. They get another shot next year if they want, you know? I was like you at one (laughs) time. It was last year. Last year, yeah. Last year. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's where Hadaway is playing now in the, in the fucking fishing villages. Jesus, and all. Yeah. yeah, that's mad. Yeah, um, where again, am I? Kazakhstan, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kazakhstan, put your hands in the air. Nobody understands them. Just sitting there, sharpening <laughs> their fucking hooks, their eel hooks or whatever. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know what they eat there. He done a song where uh, uh, I can't actually. No, I can't do it. He done a song in two thousand and eight called "I Love the Nineties." With someone else who's got to pop up on this playlist, I don't want to give it away. Oh, of course, uh, it's called "I Love the Nineties." He released in two thousand and eight. No, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Like I'm massive, massive fan of loads of music in the nineties, but I don't think it's cool like the eighties. No, maybe some people don't think the eighties is cool, but a they're wrong, and b I can't, I've sold it so hard now that I missed their I love the eighties. But something about nineties is it was a bit cheesier yes, yeah. and tackier or something. And even though the music was great. It didn't. It doesn't stand the test of time, as far as some of these it that we feels, picked do. Ninety yeah. stuff. I always said feels cultureless, like it has no merit. Well, yeah. Well, it was. Yeah, it was. A lot of it was emotionless. When you bring in that much electronic, yeah, you you can be open to fads and big time, big time. Yeah, it was also yeah. the like the beginning of like the weaponized fads. Like there was stuff in the eighties. That was like, you know, uh, kind of bullshit throwaway music. Like plenty like of books, fizz and stuff, yeah. yeah. But they yeah, were still exactly. real acts that played gigs and, you know. I know what you're saying, yeah. But this like, was, these were, these were, this is when you started having collectives of people yes. making music, like sort of studio bangers and it didn't matter if it was a one-hit wonder and stuff mm. like that. Like, yeah, like at least the one-hit wonders from the 80s, they actually tried to have albums and careers. They tried, yeah, they a lot tried of this to have it, a lot of this stuff is just people trying together, and that's kind of a little bit soulless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's that. one coming up that has a mad fucking story that is the like epitome of that uh, later right. on. Anyway, that was Hadaway, but what is love? Um, we both opened up a bangers there. So who, who's your next one? This is possibly behind Smells Like Teen Spirit, my favorite song of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like as in, I think is the best, and it's No Good Start to Dance by The Prodigy from Nine. Like this is another one of those like. Like they, they definitely weren't flashing the pan. They were here to stay. Yes, the album before this, even yeah, uh, and the song and the songs even before yeah, that album. Yeah, um, this is from, excuse me, music for the Jilted Generation album. Liam Howlett is not a fan of this song. Really? Yeah, he said he like he's not a fan of the sample that he used, which is uh, Kelly Charles. No good for you're no good for me. Mm-hmm. I listened to that. Actually, it's 
you're no good for me. And it's just like a regular yeah. pop song yeah. from the 80s. That, that, that's it. He said uh, that he, it's too poppy and it's too, the lyrics are too kind of cheesy. Mm. But at the same time, I thought that was the idea yeah. because the video is so dark and like revolutionary and it's underground and they're smashing uh, like lumps, hammers into per, plasterboard or whatever like that. Yeah, yeah. And Flint in a dancing in a straitjacket. Now it's mad. It's brilliant. And I thought that that like was sort of a piss take of yeah. the pop songs. And then Liam Howler came out and said, "No, it is going to piss take it." And we're like, "Well, make up your fucking mind then." Yeah, you're parodying them with an amazing song. He's too cool for school. Is his problem, Liam Howler? He is. He is a bit too great though. He's great though. Remember, he had one of them confrontational haircuts for a while. Do you remember that? Where it was like did, real, yeah. real short at the front and long at the back, not a mullet. Now that was around. That was around this time, I think. Was 94, it? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of them yeah. weird haircuts, and it was kind of had a lovely mad slant to it, like an action figure. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it was cool. He, look, he's fucking moody, cunt, but he's brilliant. He's yeah. like he could he could be in massive attack. He has that moodiness yeah. and the talent. Um, yeah, like, but this this is one of those songs and eras and bands and albums that bridge the gap between rockers and ravers that yes. we have to talk about. It's, yes. just, it's cliche as fuck, pillheads yeah. and people who drink snake boy. But yeah. it was though. This is like the first one I remember, the first crossover is, album. Yeah, it is. Well, from my generation. Yeah, the first you know. proper crossover, but they were like from the early 90s, rockers were into rave because yep. there was a, people that loved drugs no matter what. Now, I'm not going to pretend I did drugs. I just didn't. They weren't not my thing. Hmm. But Jesus, when I found a drink Oh, I went at it hard. <laughs> and I had 45 pints and can't take the shirt off my back, bastards. But look, um, yeah, drink was my thing. Always my thing when I first mm. found it. I was like, yeah, but, but this was what happened to mad rockers listening to Metallica who also yeah. loved doing pills because that was a big thing in the 80s and 90s, mm. late 80s and early 90s. So that's where it was a crossover. Um, and that's why Prodigy was one of them songs that had uh, No Good Started Dance and Outer Space and loads of those songs. Yeah. That had everyone on the floor, like every single person on the floor. These songs, it's a, everything on music for the Gilded Generation is almost a composite of every other type of music ever made. That's why mm. it's, I think that's why it appeals to everybody. Like I had mates who were like in the kind of jangly indie shit, you know, and they yeah. loved this album. And I had mates who were in like the heaviest of fucking rock and metal. And they loved this album. It's got jungle on it. It's yep. got bits of trance yep. strings and stuff on it. Yep. Uh, you're right. It's uh, just an absolute melting pot at the time. That's why that is one of those landmark albums. Big time. That, that stands out like a, when 1994 hit and they released that album, a big fucking flag went down into the earth and they said, Prodigy, Music for Jill Generation. You can still see it now from space or some shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. That is a landmark, yeah. timeless pinpoint yeah. of music at the time. The same way... I don't know. Like I said, Smells Like Teen Spirit was for yeah, grunge yeah. and w- with a bit of punk in it as well. Like Exactly. Um, every single aspect of this song, every single layer is perfect. Because the more you listen to it, it's absolutely perfect. Like yeah, every, there's nothing wasted. Jesus Christ. When it breaks down to the... Did, 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 oh, stop. Stop. I blew, um, I blew a speaker up playing this song. In Did one point, yeah, yeah, because I have an original pressing of this on vinyl, and it's it's uh, it was mastered real hot. So like, when yeah, you, actually, I, I have a version of it that doesn't doesn't yeah. really sound great. No, my one is just mad loud, mad hot, just maxed yeah. out, right? 
Like it sounds yeah. okay, but like it's just I was a bit disappointed with the vinyl of the record. I'm, I'm sure there's like a fucking remastered collector's version of of, of some yeah. description. But yeah. fucking the original one that I have is just it's it's too loud and everything is real jarring it's, in it. It's very fucking harsh compression wise, I think. Yeah. But uh yeah, look the C D that makes up for it, it's grand and the video yeah. for it and this whole album and this whole era, this is super important to everything I listen to yes. and and even play musically or just my approach to certain things. I'll really never so. have the energy I'll never have the energy and the focus to write drums mm. and bits like Liam Hellett does where he mixes them up every time. He goes over them songs and just makes every part of it mm. memorable. I don't don't know if I have the fucking energy to do that, but he does and that's why No Go Start to Dance is as good as it is. So who Great. is your number two? My number two is uh, is cheesy, but it's fucking, I think it's important as well. Uh, it's Dr. Alban with It's My Life. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this song. I never did. Me too. Sometimes I'm like going around the gaff going, it's my life. And then other times I hear it, I'm like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. I don't get it. I think yeah. I like it. Oh, yeah. this, we, have podcast, we have a podcast down to do at some stage of songs you love some days and hate other days. Yep. Very and much that's so. one for me. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> it's mad. Because some yeah. days I'm like, fucking, it's my life. Banger. Other times I'm like, Ugh. I don't get it. This came out in 1992. Um, Two fucking hell. Yeah, 1992. Uh, he uh, he done the song with Hadaway, I Love the 90s, um, a couple of years ago. <laughs> it was him. I don't know why um, I didn't immediately guess it was him. Yeah, so he was born Alban Uzoma Nawapa, was his name. He was born in Nigeria. And he moved to Sweden at the age of 23 to study dentistry. Really? Yeah. So to finance himself in dentistry school, he started DJing in the local clubs and stuff. And he made a little bit of a name for himself. And uh, then he started kind of getting into the music and the singing and producing music and getting uh, hired to kind of sing and fucking guest on other people's yeah. tracks and stuff. <clears throat> and he, uh, he made so much money, he was actually able to open his own dentistry practice. So you're trying to say that he, ch- he, he swapped plaque for plaques? Very much. Oh. Very much. So... <laughs> Yeah, he made enough money to open Molars his own dentistry. To bangers, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he really sank his teeth into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, hence his name as Dr. Alban, because uh, yeah. he is actually a doctor. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. That's he's class. A, I didn't yeah. know that. He's an actual doctor. Um, yeah, so while he was making all these songs, um, he, believe it or not, It's My Life, it might have been his biggest song, but he was plenty famous before that. He, he had a couple of songs off his debut album that done real well, like sold millions. Mm. Yeah. Um, he had a single called Hello Africa and a song called No Coke, which is weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just look at, yeah. Hello Africa. <laughs> exactly. There's Hello. no Coke. There's no Coke in here. There's no Coke. I assume that's maybe, the way it goes. Maybe it was, maybe it was, yeah, he was pissed off. Although, yeah, he just like he does coke, but he doesn't rub in his teeth. Only the nose keeps them teeth. Yeah, and I don't know if it's about like cocaine or Coca Cola. I, I have to listen to the song. I need to. Oh, find do you out. know what? He probably drinks whiskey straight. Probably. Well, he is that's a dentist. He, any dentist yeah. tell you not to be drinking coke? Maybe that's, that's what no, the song Maybe is. that's the whole song. Is <laughs> maybe that's the song. <laughs> Brush your teeth. Drink no don't. coke. No coke. Brush your teeth. I bet you. I bet you. Um, I'm going to listen to that straight after this, actually. I can't wait to listen to that. I know. I'm going to have a listen to this. Like, I, want to know. I hope it's about not drinking coke. 
Oh, God. Fingers crossed. That's yeah. class. He sold a fuck ton of... Uh, Hello Africa is kind of the, the one... He's obviously remembered for It's My Life, but Hello Africa was a huge song. Yeah. Um, his second album had It's My Life in it, right? Now, It's My Life was like a little club banger, right? It was doing real well. But I only remembered this um, when, obviously, when I read it. I went, oh, fuck, yeah, now I remember. This song got famous off a Tampax commercial. That's right. Yeah, I forgot all about that. I forgot all about that fucking ad. And it was from that ad that people start going like, what's that song? I coined it. I heard, I heard that song once on the radio. And I got a mad resurgence that all of a sudden, bam, it was fucking huge. It was yeah. fucking huge. It was number one in a million countries. Uh, <laughs> that song, right? It's my life. This is fucking mad when I looked it up. There are 10 composers on that song. Really? And, yeah. And there are 12 vocalists. What? Yep. I know yep. there's like a lot of backing vocals and stuff. But... 12 different vocalists I and 10 composers. Know. I went into the fucking meat of that song just because I wanted to see what was involved in it. 10 composers, 12 vocalists. Um, in May, in May of this year, uh, he he still lives in Sweden and he um, he released a song called Hello, I don't know, Sverige, Sverige, whatever the name of a town or a city is, which is where he lives. And the song was to encourage people to socially distance during the COVID-19 outbreak. So he released okay. that in May, just gone. Like he, re, he remade Hello Africa in the Hello Svedig or whatever it's called um, to encourage the population of Sweden. Did he change <laughs> no coke to no touching? No COVID, no COVID, my friend, Hello Svedig. Um, I don't even know that's how you pronounce it. I hope so. I hope it's probably, it's probably Svedig. Speak. It's mad because Sweden uh, were the ones to go. Uh, no, nah. we're all yeah. right with the old social distance. Well, yeah. no, they did it a bit. They did it a bit. Like, Tiny bit, yeah. Like, Tiny yeah. bit. Um, so yeah, let them die. Let the old people and the young people die. Uh, off you go. Um, yeah, that, that's <laughs> Dr. Album with It's My Life. I, I do love that song. Um, but like you said, I think that could have been a case of it was just annoying enough that when I was younger and it was out, I was sick of it. So now when I do hear it, I get a little nostalgic yeah. buzz. No, like, yeah, like I said, there's times I do listen to it and go, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just it from, yeah. Yeah, 1992, I mean, fucking, I was what, I was what, 11? Yeah, we're so, so old. So, oh, no, yeah. So let's say, like, until, from, up until the age of, like, 12 odds, that song was just banging through every fucking, yeah. every radio station in the world, everywhere you went, because nobody had anything but the radio back then. You'd CDs, yes. but you had about four CDs, do you know what They're I mean? They were mad there, like, and the players were mad there, and, like, you'd have to yeah. share them with someone else. Stop. Exactly, exactly. I knew a fellow once who, he didn't know, he, he, he bought his first ever CD, and he brought it home, and he put it on the turntable, and uh, put the needle okay. on it. Oh dear! Put, yeah, put the needle on and press play, and he was—he called me over because he knew I had a, I had a shitty little mono like Sanyo CD player, and he was like, "You yeah. have a CD player? How do you work it?" And I went over to his house. I was like, "You don't have a CD player?" He was, "Yeah, but I have that." I'm like, "My, my, oh, mate, no. like, what the oh, fuck? No. What the fuck? What, do you <laughs> oh, dear. do you watch films by just holding the fucking tape? Do you know what I mean? What the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? Like, would you just look into the little window? <laughs> you know, like what was that? What was the visor things from the eighties that you looked through and pressed the button? The visor wheel buy, things. Did he buy like a ticket to his own gaff to watch like VHS? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, there's a film on tonight. Where else? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Where's the film on my house? RTE one. Are you coming? Now we have RTE one as well, man. It's grand. Just watch it at home, like. Oh, but it's on in my house. Yeah, I know. But everyone has RTE one, like. How are RTE going to put a projector in my house? Exactly. 
now come into my house tonight. Actually, uh, that, that fella was a bit like that, actually. Uh, that was Dr. Album, It's My Life. <laughs> Who is our next one? My next one is a mental song that I don't know how it happened. So I'm going to give you the ingredients this before I tell you what it is. It has a megastar on vocals. Mm-hmm. And it has <clears throat> two or two guys from an industrial powerhouse side project. And then on top of that, it's remixed by one of Holland's biggest DJs. So what you have is Silence by Delirium featuring Sarah McLachlan. The one I've picked is actually the Fade Sanctuary remix from 99. That's the first dance version I heard. Mm. I know Tiesto remixed it the next year and his version is fucking deadly, especially his really long sundown version or something like that. Mm. It's 11 minutes long. It really treats it well. So, but did you know this song? You know this one? Uh, I listened to it earlier on and it definitely rings a bell. I definitely know it, but I don't know it as intimately as I do everything else on this list. Yeah. This would be the outlier for me. I, de- I do know it. And I, yeah. when I listened to it earlier, I was like, that's real good. And I know it. The, the reason I think I remember it, because this used to, if I remember correctly, this is the type of song where they used to play uh, in like clubs that weren't actually clubs. So you go to a gig and after the gig, they like kick the band out and like lock the doors. Like really, Eamon Doran's used to be able to stay there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And this is the type of music they play. So I think yeah. that's how I remember it. Well, it's just one of those things that like, it shouldn't have really been because the original of the song is a kind of ambient mm. version of it. Uh, a, a version of this song is the original is, is an ambient one. It's done by um, Delirium, who are an electronic, kind of ambient electronic band from yeah. Canada. And it's the side project of Frontline Assembly who were formed by Bill Le- Lear, is it Leib? Leib, I think, mm. after he left Skinny Puppy. Oh, so weird. Kind of, so Frontline Assembly are the kind of really important, influential industrial bands, or uh, EDM, I think it is, like whatever, mm. EDM. Um, so, yeah, not EDM. Actually, this is weirdly EDM now. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, he actually, that lad actually composed the soundtrack to uh, Quake 3 Arena. Oh, really? And then Quake the team arena that version of it was yeah. composed by um the expansion pack was composed by frontline assembly that's oh, just a yeah. project anyway because the, fr- so, the first quake was trent, trent Reznor, wasn't it? it was only snails no it was quake two was it quake two it was only snails i think so yeah uh, okay i'm not sure he, not sure if he did the first one i, I think he done the first one i think he done the first maybe one as well. you're right. maybe, oh, maybe you're right actually yeah i think he did Ooh. i think he, i remember having it uh, from the, the yeah. story of the stuff me and my brought home and there's a big sticker on it Music by Nine Snails. Yeah. So they were friends with uh, <laughs> a singer called Sarah McLaughlin, who mm. now is monstrously big, like massive. She's fucking like Fiona Canadian, Apple. isn't she? Yeah, Canadian. They're all Canadian, yeah. yeah so yeah. They, they knew each other from Canada and stuff like that. Okay. But at the time, there's no way she was near as big as she was. It all broke in the same year. So the year that she did this was 99, sorry, 97. Mm. Um, but it was 99 when it came out. No, this is 90, it's around 99. Look, it's yeah. very hard to know because there's so many versions. So of many remixes. Yeah, so she did this with them, uh, the regular like kind of ambient version. Yeah. In, sorry, in 97. That's what it was. Ah. So then she had a ginormous album. Sorry, this, but let's say this as well. This is Delirium's ninth album Fuck. Before, they had a, before they had a big hit. They've been going since like 88. Jesus. 88. So this, like, uh, but here's the thing, right? Here's the problem. It had been Delirium Silence, but it had been remixed 
So I bought the single and uh, it was, remember they used to have two versions of the single, CD1 and That's CD2. That's right, yeah. Remember CD2 that, Robin Bassett. Yeah, absolutely. CD2 would have all the remixes on it. Yeah, about eight the of them. The first one may or may not have the remix on yeah, it. Yeah, it's so usually the second song. Yeah. Yeah, so I bought yeah I bought the second one and I had that. So I went, God, that's so good! I'm buying the album. Mm. So I went and I bought their album Karma, but not knowing that that's they're not a dance band at all. And that was a they're not at all like that. So I got this home and I started sticking it on, and it was like Enigma, like Gregorian chants completely. <laughs> and that version is like, I'm like. Ah, lads. Fuck this. Ah, <laughs> now, it turns out the more I listened to it, because back then you actually gave a time when you put fucking... You did, 15, eh? You sat there. 10, 15 quid into it. And I do like it, but um, it was mad because she went on to have the uh, album Surfacing, I think is, which is... Jesus, that that is that has the song In the Arms of an Angel and all that stuff. Mm. Like just, And I actually really liked that album because that made me... This made me go out and buy her album. Yeah, yeah. As well as that, it was, it was everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Uh, I think I got the album because I was working in, in uh, Golden Disc. I think I got the album for like two quid because it was in Savage. Those, it was in one of those damaged bins that, that ah, used to exist. Love them. Yeah. Love oh, them. I love that, absolutely. So look, in short, it's she's a megastar doing a song with two well-known people from the uh, industrial thing that was remixed by... Fade and then Tiesto. It's it's a mental, mad, mad, mad mix song that, that this that this came out, and it is to me the build up, uh, and the vocal line and the lyrics and all. I just think it stands out. Mm. Delirium Silence is one of those things that I, when it comes on in the club, people go, "Oh fuck, man!" Like just cl- there's classics that everyone goes, "Yeah," but yeah. that's when everyone gets serious. Yes, 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 serious yes, yes. song. Yeah. So like the way No Good started to dance, some people go, "Yeah," but you'll have someone go, "Oh fuck." Yeah. <laughs> it's it you, you can't you can't enjoy it in a clownish way it's yes too good it's too serious too serious but yeah. you go fuck man so look delirium silence featuring sarah mclaughlin fade sanctuary remix or if you want tiesto's one who is your next one my next one uh would be one of my original introductions to electronic music and it's the shaman with ebenezer good Oh, that's a banger. That's a fucking banger. Mad song. Fucking mad song. The reason I know this exists is because this was on, um, now that's what I call music 92. That's how I was going to say, this was, this was, I almost was too young for this song. Do you feel that? Yeah. I think we were almost too young for this because it was, it was a club only song. It would only really be enjoyable in a club. When I heard this, I was like, I was young, I was like, it's great, but it's too fucking mental. Yeah, it's too mad. Just, oh, it's not enough it. structure in it as well. And yeah. it's talking about drugs, and nobody, like, you were that young, you didn't even know what drugs <laughs> yeah. were. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, I, I heard this on, I think it was either 92 or 93, and uh, now that's what I call music. And I always remember I had like status quo, I think like fucking The Wanderer or something was on there as well. Or status, quo, status quo and scooter. Yeah, I, I guarantee a scooter was on there. I must have a look actually and find Because like, I tried to remember what else was on there. Fucking... There would have been dire straits. I'm trying to admit, literally off the back yeah. of my head, maybe Joy of Bunny or something. Um, it was that definitely that like 92, 93 era of like garbage music that was put onto all those fucking Now That's What yeah. I Call Music. And I used to get Now That's What I Call Music every year. Someone bought it for me. The double cassette. Oh, yeah. Someone you'd always hear bought some, it. You'd hear some bangers on it. Fucking right. You'd always found something that you just kind of slipped through the cracks because you were yeah. young. 
You know what I mean? And you only knew what was on the radio at like six o'clock after. You I found on. I found the charlatans on. Yep. No, actually, I found them on like a shine compilation or something like that because. That was one of those bands that needed to come back up again with indie. They yes. were an eighties kind of band that were actually around the time of the Smiths and all them. Yeah, I think this one we had like Suede and like the Lads yeah, and stuff like stuff that. Like that you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was, I remember I being a bunch of stuff in it. But this was definitely the maddest song on. Now that's what I call music. Yeah. And afterwards, I went a couple of years later. I went out and bought the album Boss uh, Boss Drum that this was on. Yeah. And. Uh, Jesus, oh, look at the history of them. It's re- it's very fucking weird. So they're, they're a Scottish group, right? And it started off with a guy called Colin Angus, Derek McKenzie, Keith McKenzie, and Peter Stevenson, right? They were like the original fucking four members. Now, eventually, they ended up, ended up having like 15 members in and out with this group. It kind of became like a collective. And they have very much different eras of the band. Very, very much different eras of the band. So when they started out, they were like a psychedelic band. And right. eventually they start getting influenced by like real early house music like S Express and Mars if you remember Mars M-A-R-R-S I remember S Express yeah, yeah. you'll remember Mars you know a couple of, a couple of, a couple of the Mars songs right. um, actually I'm going to tell you now exactly what fucking Mars big songs were Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Yeah, exactly. Um, They were very much kind of influenced by by fucking that real early electronic kind of house music. So they started, they they all played like real guitars and bass and drums, proper fucking instruments and stuff like that. And they start bringing electronic music in. And this is where it gets weird because when they were doing this, they were like well known on the real underground scene. And loads of like bands that became real big afterwards were very much influenced by the Shaman at this stage of the game, where they had real instruments and were bringing electronic uh, music in. So bands like EMF and Jesus Jones and fucking Pop Elite itself yeah. and stuff like that, they were all getting very much fucking influenced. I always, I, n- I never heard if it's true or not, but I always know, or I always thought, sorry, that the Prodigy were hugely influenced by the Shaman. I could be wrong. Just felt like that. Maybe I don't know because it got, seems got, to me it sounds like it could be like Keith Flint singing over dance music. Yeah, yeah. Now, it sounds yeah. I always, the, whenever in, I heard the shame, and I was like, "That's Ebenezer." Good. It always reminds me of bleeding into the prodigy. Yeah, because it's 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 the, electronic music didn't have front men like the way the Shaman mm. did. They had samples, so the Shaman had like a bloke singing and rapping all the way through it. One guy. Well, loads of other electronic music at the time had just samples, um, like yeah. cuts from other other fucking songs that they 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 kind of lifted. But so I know, shaman, it's the, I know it's called the shaman. I always have to say the shaman because the I shaman, do, yeah. And all my mates call oh, it the same shaman. Here, the shaman, yeah. And I couldn't help it, even though I know that there's no. I've never heard it called that because if you're calling it the shaman, it's never called. You never heard a shaman being called a shaman. The shaman, yeah. Um, but in my head, it was like shaman. The shaman, yeah. I am one hundred percent. If you knew um, it was, you wouldn't want to tell your mates what it really is because you get battered. Exactly. What? So, <laughs> so they started this weird touring nightclub in 1989 with Orbital, right? And nice. what they do is they travel all over England and bits of Europe kind of doing this weird mixed up fucking, uh, weird fucking mixed up kind of lineups where they'd have like bands, like instrument bands, and then they have like DJs and electronic groups and stuff trying to yeah. introduce people to kind of new stuff. Um, and a load of bands and a load of electronic groups got their, got their start off. The lads from the Shaman and Orbital doing this thing. I can't remember the name of the club. I wrote it down on another piece of paper because I thought it was important. Um, they, they actually, this is a weird one as well. 
the first ever digital album ever released on the internet was released by the Shaman. No way. Yeah. Um, they had a website called Nemeton. N-E-M-E-T-O-N. Nemeton. And they were very, very early adopters of the internet. So they, the first ever digital single and the first ever digital LP were released on that Nemeton website. Then they it developed... It must have taken ages to develop. Forever. Forever. Forever to develop the website that could fucking figure out a way of like encoding music to be played. No one's even heard the last two songs because people just gave up. But then, like, no, let's listen to the four six. Exactly. <laughs> um, then they've done this weird thing where they developed this piece of software called uh, S2 Translation. And this is around the time that like the human genome, the human genome had been mapped right. properly for the first time. It was only a couple of years after it. And they released this piece of software called S2 Translation that turned the human DNA sequences into music. Fuck. So what do I sound like? Yeah, that's kind Gar- of garbage. I sound <laughs> yeah. like human garbage. Absolute dirt, <laughs> yeah. So uh, but they actually this piece of software, they ended up using it in some of their albums. They released a fuck ton of albums. They done uh, like eight albums. Um their last album came out uh I don't know when the fuck the last album came out actually, but they were signed to um one little Indian records who are oh yeah yeah one little Indian great little record label they do loads of great re-releases but I don't know how they do with their own kind of signed conquests you know right. I, I haven't heard great stuff about that but they do release great re-releases where they get the rights to like old records and, and pump out kind of deluxe versions of it actually it was 1998 was their last album 1998 and it was called UV and apparently they were rowing with one little Indian records so uh, they were like one little Indian said to them you've got fucking you've got one album left to give to us so the lads were like, you know, fuck you. And they just went into the studio, went into the studio, and uh, in seven days, they banged out a fucking album. I just stick it up your hole. There you go. Bang. Off you go. Um, at this stage, they'd kind of, they weren't overly happy with what they were doing because Boss Drum was so big, the, the, the album with Ebenezer Gooden, the, mm. that album was so big that it took them out with the underground world that they wanted to stay in. And the underground, right. like the underground scene that they had been performing in for years, uh, just kind of turned that back on them. They were like, "You're too big now. You can't, you can't, you can't do this anymore." Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. a fucking thing. And uh, it, it's fucking that, that. That's kind of what fucked them. And um, that's what fucked them in the end. They tried their absolute damnedest to uh, to kind of claw their way back. Famous. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> but the claw their way back into the fucking underground. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, we raised our head up. We done this one song. Everybody's fucking singing it because it's real catchy. But that's not really what we wanted to do. We wanted to do proper fucking hard artistic underground shit. And yeah. the world, the worlds that that fucking music lives in, were like, nah, man, you don't have any. are good. You can't. You're mad. You can't come back. It's like Ch- Chumba Wumba. You know these like crass esque fucking socialist anarchist fucking mad punk band, and they do. I get knocked down. It's over, like yeah. you can't go back. You can't go back. For me, it was over before I started. Yeah, exactly. But you can't go back to your <laughs> anarchist roots after you release that fucking. Yeah. The night away. It's over. It's garbage. It's fucking over. You know what I mean? Uh, well, but yeah, I'm sure Chumbawamba fans will tell you how it's ironic. I don't care. It's just they, no, wrecks, they don't exist. No such thing as Chumbawamba fans. No such thing in the entire world. Not a thing. <laughs> it's. I'm telling you right now. There's some things that Bigfoot is more real than Chumbawamba fans. There are people who like that song. Um, well, if they, Chumba Wumba, they, they don't have a load of punk followers no in, like, that's what you read Brighton, on the internet Brighton or something no. like that listen know. I've been listening to punk and hardcore and fucking poxy crust punk my entire life and I've never met anyone ever wearing a Chumba Wumba t-shirt do you know what I mean not once yeah. I've seen people wear t- like dog shit sandwich fucking t-shirts scabies fucking fleas and lice 
tragedy, you name it, pull it out of the bag. All the fucking bands that did the crass that these guys were fucking meant to be a bit like. I never met anybody that was into Chumbawamba. I think Chumbawamba was more of a fucking art project that just happened maybe, to be Maybe musical. since they released that song, their fans went, we can't tell anyone we like them now because of that like, big... AIDS song that they did. Yeah, like that is the only thing anybody <laughs> will ever remember them for. But anyway, that that was fucking the shaman. I don't know how we ended up on them on our fuckers. That's the shaman. <laughs> uh, the big, like I said, the big thing was they started off as a psychedelic band using real instruments. Yeah. So they, they always try to keep, they always tried to keep the real instrument element of it. Um, apparently, every time they played, there was always like, someone with a guitar, a bass, or a drum kit, as well as right, yeah. the keyboards and fucking keep that it real at underground. Exactly. Um, that was the shaman. Who is your next one? My next one is the group from England is called Binary Finery. Mm. The track is 1998 from 1998. Uh, but it's the Paul Van Dyke mix of it. And this song is just... I know this song. Oh, fucking hell. You know that build-up? Yeah. That riff? Since you hear it, like... Yeah. It, it starts out like it could be... Fuck, I don't know. It starts out like it's going to be weirder than it actually is. Mm. It's mm. not that weird by the end of it. It's just a big riff laden dance trance song so like binary finery are a trance band from england there's fuck all information because they're kind of a one hit job mm. to be perfectly honest with you they are and they aren't i suppose i'm sure they're like they, they, they when you're a dj you've got that career for your life so you can have one hit yeah you're still gonna have a career before yeah, you can tour off that yeah you know? exactly yeah. so what i do know about this is is this song wasn't played nearly enough as I wanted it to be in the 90s when I was growing up. Hmm. Like, So I would have been sneaking into nightclubs when this was just coming out. Yeah, I would have been getting in, definitely, um, to a lot of places. What year did this come um, out? 98. It's ah, called yeah, 1998. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I suppose that makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? Yeah, so I would be definitely on the verge of getting into nightclubs around now when this was coming out, and they wouldn't play it enough, nearly enough for me. And I was mad into this because this is one of the songs that you'd hear on the Euphoria compilations mm. and go, fuck, man, that's ridiculous. Mm. So I bought the single anyway. And the single is, you know, the cover of the single It's from the Positiva label. Do you remember yeah, that? I do. With the, the, so it's a blue background, a black square and a white cross in the middle. And it had, it's just a, such a basic, yeah, basic cover, but it had everything like, Toka, Toka's Miracle, Toka May, uh, Spiller, Groove Jet, uh, Better Off Alone by LSDJ. All those massive songs were on that. And that's like an offshoot of XL Records, I think. Mm. So the guy who left XL or, uh, started this up, Nick something, I don't know what his name would be. Um, this, there's no information really on Binary Fern. It's like, yeah, there are a few lads uh, who DJ and they had this big hit that Paul Van Dyke remixed. And... I was going to take it off and put on more Opicado Lizard. And I was like, no, fuck, man. This is actually about the playlist as well. Yeah. And this song has to be on it as one of the ones that's not super obvious. Mm. So, you like, if you don't think you know this song... You do. Um, yeah, you do know you, this. You do know it. So, we'll, uh, we'll probably, like, you'll be able to... We'll release the playlist to this closer than we normally would. Yeah. So people can hear what we're talking about. Uh, actually, we probably we probably release this at the same time. This one. This one probably can it's other ones with the stories that I kind of get worried about. Maybe we'll release the podcast Monday morning and the, the playlist Monday evening or something. We think so, yeah. Just so you can hear this song. This song always reminds me of that. Like, this song actually would have been an influence on the way I write Synthwave and all that shit. Yeah. That I did, whatever like that. Uh, Speaking just, of Synthwave, I tried to watch that fucking Blood Machines 
I'm going to give it a go this week. Don't it's, tell me anything about it. No, I, just, I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, you're, you're going to have to download it cause, or, or shine, sign up for a Shudder that, uh, streaming service. Oh, it's, yeah. It's in like multiple different parts and some parts are an hour long and some parts are 10 minutes long. It's fucking... What do you mean? Is that like, just a film? No. No. Oh. It's like a serialized movie. I don't know how, I don't know how to describe uh, it. It's fucking... I know, that, I know that like he did... The guy that made that, the, the video for Carpenter, but it's Turbo yeah. Killer. So Car- Carpenter now, done the whole soundtrack for the whole thing. It is, right, it, yeah. It, it, the, the movie is, from what, it just looks like an hour and a bit long music, music video. videos. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is, really. That's like, grand. That's, that's grand. But at the same time, I suppose if I can, yeah, I don't know. I have plans for a music video when I release my stuff, and I yeah. found a deadly way to do it. I'm not going to tell anyone, because it's fucking cheating. Same but it's the only thing I can do in, in I have to spend a bit of money, but it's, but it's a way of doing it that mm. could be in COVID land where you're not allowed to go out and in public and make videos and meet people and stuff like that. As well as that, I fucking don't like the idea of making music videos or starring in them or anything like that. So no, no, it has so, to be something weird. So that uh, is nothing to do with that anyway. Yeah. That's, look, you have to listen to this. I can't explain it because there's no like hook in it that's vocal. It's all mm. instrumental. Mm. But that riff that comes up, that builds up, it's just pure, dirty, commercial trance. And it's deadly. I fucking love it. Who is your next one? My next one is the Urban Cookie Collective with the key, the secret. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good, yeah, from 1993. Now, this is the one that I have the least amount of information on. This is a very... Yeah. Like... Like you were saying, the, a, a lot of these songs are we would consider them, consider them maybe to be one hit wonders, but they're they're not. They're just the moment they have, they have huge careers, and not just yeah, not yeah. Just, they're there in clubs. Yeah, like the, the, a lot of these people are still still working, like they're still doing stuff, you know, and um, whether it be DJing or producing, but they're, they're just they're not. Yeah, out bangers. those people are more well equipped to have a one hit wonder and take it and enjoy it yes very go much. to Ibiza play the shit out of it very and much. then not get bitter or, or embarrassing yes and try and grab onto that afterwards exactly. they do they know that I could get a song I could get a remix it could land on a film yeah it, if it doesn't I'm still got a career I it's love still that fine. yeah exactly yeah. Um, so okay so Open Cookie Collective is it's kind of one fella um, it's kind of one fella, a guy called Rowan mm-hmm. Heat. Rowan Heat. So, uh, Manchester guy kind of started off just a DJ in the clubs or whatever. And he joined forces with a guy called Gerald Simpson, who had a group, kind of a collective called A Guy Called Gerald. And he was an original member of 808 State. Um, oh, right. Who I, I wanted to put on this, but I don't know whether, because I love 808 State, but I, I don't know whether it's kind of dance me. I don't know what you call it. 808 State we talked about them before. They were one of those groups that people who were into like the Happy Mondays and the Charlatans, even though they were completely electronic, they still fit into that. Yeah. Well, there's, it, there's, there's artists on this that we didn't know whether they were going to be. Like Snap. Yeah. Probably could be considered a little bit more uh, of a career, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Especially because they uh, whatever split up and went... Yeah, three different snaps in the round. Prodigy are monsters, so we didn't know we they're still dance yeah, songs exactly at the time. Exactly. So I, I, I went to, to this as in if it was the nineties, would I consider this a dance song? Yes. Obviously, now looking back, that's what made it hard for me to do this play. So I even yeah. messaged you going, "Should I put this certain song on?" And you're like, "Yeah, absolutely." 
Yeah. It'll be my next one, actually, that I talk about. But, yeah. So, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about, this, that some of them went on to have a different meaning. And, and very definitely much. Last, like, last this, this song was fucking huge. It was a big, big song. Um, Absolutely. It's still a fucking banger. It's an outrageous song. But, I mean, they released a few bits and bobs, but, eh. So, he, he, he done this thing, a guy called Gerald, and they done a Japanese tour with the Happy Mondays. And after that, he wasn't he wasn't really into fucking working with, with this guy, say, uh, Gerald say Simpson. Was, I'd say he was burnt out. Yeah, I think so. Mondays, I'd say he was fucking in bits. So he joined, this, uh, he joined a group, uh, a rave group called Together. Right. And um, done a, he was with Together for a year or two, kind of touring with them, making music with them. And he knocked that in the head. And then he started producing music. Uh, he started doing reggae stuff with Ica Mouse. Ica Mouse is like a big fucking reggae guy. And uh, he started producing music for him. And it was around this time, he was like, maybe I'll just do my own music. As opposed to like being yeah. in other people's groups. Like I, yeah. have, a, I have all the experience. I know, I know how these like famous people are writing music and making music. Maybe I'll just fucking do my own thing. And that's where the Urban Cookie Collective came from. Um, the vocals on this boy, a woman called Diane Charlemagne, who died a couple of years ago. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, Diane Charlemagne died, I think 2018, 2017 maybe. And uh, the album was called Hoy on a Happy Voyeb. And I couldn't tell you one single song on that album. I couldn't tell you one single song that uh, Urban Cookie Collective ever released barred this one. And that's been brutal. No, yeah. I mean, if I really sat down, I think they have another. But uh, you know what? The fact that it's not coming to me straight away yeah. says it all. Like, I'd, have to just, I'd have to drain the swamp of my fucking brain to find a, a song title that maybe I heard once. Like, um, That's literally all I have to... This, this is very much about that song. It's yeah, like, the, I knew this was going to happen with this playlist. Same with 1998 by Binary Finding. I knew... Yeah. I thought there might be something... Like, one of them was in some more juice. But to be honest with you, sometimes we still are making playlists that have to be listened to as playlists. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I refuse to take that song out in the same as... Some, yeah. some the info... Sometimes the, the juice is there... Sometimes it's sometimes not. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Sometimes it just give you the, the yeah. basic details about the song, but the song yeah. has to stand on its own. Who is your next one? Oh, this is a monster, mm. monster. This is a monster kind of hybrid thing that I haven't heard the likes of before, during, or since. Mm. Well, I did hear it during. That makes no sense. Yeah. I didn't hear the likes of it during it. Yeah. I didn't hear it while it was playing. <laughs> <laughs> this is Born Slippy by Underworld. Yeah. Uh, Monster Slippy. Like it's actually called Born Slippy Nooks because right. Born Slippy uh, is a different song by the same band. Oh, weird. Weird. Confusing, yeah. Um, look, everybody I know loves this song. I don't know anyone that doesn't like this song. Yeah. It's obviously made famous by Train Spotting. Mm. Uh, the, the song at the end of Train Spotting. That's all I, I remember. The, I, have, I have the lyrics there. Yeah, yeah, good. Fucking, I'm going to read them out later. Uh, so Underworld always had, to me, a more indie feel because there was vocals and they were, yeah. they seemed to be singing something. I didn't know what the fuck they were singing. Looking back now, yeah, doesn't, doesn't really matter. Yeah, they always reminded me like Orbital with like a singer, like a, a pure singer. Yeah, yeah. Like when, those, when the beat comes in to Born Slippy, yeah. when a final, like because the, the intro chorus are gorgeous. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And he is just, he's doing this distorted, uh, sounds very Londonish yeah. kind of. Uh, Geezer are fucking voice. Geezer voice singing yeah. random fucking words. <laughs> and then <laughs> when the beat kicks in, the whole tone of the song changes completely to something more aggressive, but yeah. dancier. And people used to lose their fucking mind. Yeah, the song. yeah. It was big. It, it was big. Like Binary Refinery, this was really out when I was... 
So this was just before I was getting into clubs, but it was when we were having stuff like end of year school dances. Yeah, yeah. Where you could definitely turn up or bring drink in and stuff like that. Hiding in bushes, milling yeah, bottles of cider out of it. Exactly. So yeah. this was, I remember, this is one of the four songs I remember dancing to while I was definitely either like smashed up high on hash because there's no weed then yeah it wasn't no sorry you heard about it you heard stories about oh, yeah. the mate that went to Amsterdam his brother went to Amsterdam <coughs> yeah but there wasn't it was hash he brought some back in his shoe he like yeah. cut a hole in his <laughs> shoe and brought it's back actually, a little bit of hash I know people who went there on a school trip and they what they did was they put it in a plastic bag yeah. and then they put it inside a shampoo bottle I know people who just mailed it to themselves yeah, that's um, clever, you see. That's, they just literally got big bricks of hash for next to nothing and put it in envelopes, not even boxes, envelopes. And they they like they heat it up by sitting on it and then they kind of squish it down until it was real thin and they filled the envelope and they'd mail it to themselves. They Actually, they wouldn't mail it to themselves. There was, in, in my year, there was a famous house, right? This is mental. There was a famous house that nobody lived in, but you could get into it by jumping over the back wall. So everybody who had mad shit, they would mail it to this abandoned house yeah. um, that didn't really look abandoned, but you could jump over the back wall, go in and collect your post. <laughs> so, lads oh, used that's to, that's yeah. so clever. Yeah. Well, unless someone actually does live there. No, no one ever lived there. We used to like get, um, we used to be able to like mail order like tiger knives and butterfly knives and shit. And you'd mail them to yourself to this house and then jump over the back wall and walk in and collect your letters like a week later. That's savage. Yeah. Um, so did you know the underworld are Welsh. Fuck off, really? Yeah. And did you know, second crazy fact, there used to be a funky synth pop band. Really? In the 80s. <laughs> now, they don't consider that to be them, obviously, yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There might, there's so many member changes that that's changed. But you don't drop a name like Underworld. That's how you don't change your name. Yes. You don't drop that name. That's too good to drop. Underworld, yeah. you're yeah. mad. Great name. Fucking murder for that name. Yeah. I'm coming up with names. You probably are. You, t- you told us what name for yeah, your yeah. It's really, really good name. Um, Empire. Empires or Empire? Empire. Yeah, Empire. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of on the fence, but right now I'd fucking ki- I'd kill someone for the name Underworld right now. <laughs> Let's uh, take it. So I, so I can spell understand. It with, spell it with two, do, two Vs. <laughs> no, I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. Underworld. I know an, an Irish band that does it, all twins or whatever, and yeah. they do, and it looks cool that they yeah. do, and they're good enough. Um, uh, but uh, no, so look, I listened to their, I listened to the stuff uh, over the last couple of days, the synth pop stuff. It's not great. It's not like when I went back and filmed Ministries mm. uh, in the pop stuff, which is actually still, I don't care what anyone says, it's fucking deadly. Mm. Um, this is really cheesy kind of funky stuff. But yeah. they were, a bit, they were a bit late with that music because that music had been going from seventy nine, and yeah. they were coming in at eighty eight with it. It's too late for funky. Yeah. Cheesy synth pop, yeah. but they were well on the button when they changed in 1994 when your man Darren Emerson joined mm. and they became so he's like an English DJ producer and that's when they became much more dance focused ah. and uh, experimental and kind of progressive dance. Um, that's and in two years after that, they have this monster hit, mm. like just it's so fucking big, it's it huge, just it was everywhere, inescapable. 
Yeah, it was. But it was also so cool. It wasn't like for yeah for no. The, it was it was same fans of consumption. Prodigy, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, yeah, very much. But also, I know like older people would be like, duh, duh. so the lyrics are, Jesus, drive boy, dog boy, dirty numb angel boy, in the doorway boy. She was a lip. She was a lipstick boy. She was a beautiful boy and tears boy, and all in your inner space boy. You had hands girl, boy, and steel boy. You had chemicals boy. I've grown so close to you. That's the only line I know. That sound. I sound. I know the sound of mm. grown so close to you. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, boy, and you just grown boy. She said, "Come over, come over." He smiled at you, boy. No, I don't know what the fuck Carl Hind is talking about. There, he's a singer. Uh, he he said we were just he wrote down a lot of shit. Just mm. sang it. On a McDonald's napkin on the way to the yeah. studio. Well, it had been noted that he was a mad raging alcoholic at the time, mm. so it probably fucking made loads of sense. I don't know. Um, Telling this, a story in his head, like, yeah, yeah. To me, Italian. Well, it's perfect because you're thinking, oh man, like there's going to be loads of fucking these little Muppet techno gurus yeah. sitting down at after parties going, oh man, actually, no, if you think about what this is about, mate, mm. stop. You can let the singer tell you what it's about, or you can just guess, but don't be telling me what you know yeah. this is about. Exactly, sure. yeah. Oh, you know, a fellow who knows a fellow who sold him a dog, and he told me it's about yeah. the time he snuck onto a rocket, right? And the rocket didn't go <laughs> exactly. The usual shy. Yeah, exactly. So, this always felt, this, there's nothing really else like this song. I can't think of a song that's really like this. No. I mean, it, no. it does come from the vein of Ebenezer Good and. Mm and uh, anything with Keith Flint on, on The Prodigy but at the same time yeah, or it, Happy Mondays it, it does have a yeah. Happy Mondays black grape sort of feel yeah. as like well. it's band it's band leader led like it's singer led which yes. we already said is, is a rarity in this like you know you've got your poppy ones you know everybody's free to feel good whatever you've got that type yeah. of shit you know this is the rhythm of the night you've got those yeah. but they're like cl- kind of classically kind of poppy dance songs this is not a classically poppy dance song. This is something different. And it has a fucking singer. No, no, I love it. Look, I always lo- I think everyone loves this song. I don't really know anyone. Like when you stick this on, everyone goes, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's the difference. That's the difference to kind of, like let's say you stuck on, uh, go through the list, Rhythm is a Dancer. Those people go, and they go yeah. a bit mad and clownish. Yeah. Yeah. You stick on Delirium Silence, they go, oh. Yeah. But you stick this on, it's like, Ah, so there's yeah. all these we know as DJs, there's these facial and audio expressions people yes. give different songs. Yeah. The winces, yeah, the winces. You know what? Yeah. As well, like if you stick on Tainted Love by Soft Cell, yeah. you get this. They they put their lip, they pour their top lip, yeah. and they push it into their nose, and they, yeah. they kind of like they're smelling a good smell. Mm. Yeah. Delicious. But if you put on if you put on Cotton Eye Joe, you get oh. that. <laughs> oh, remember. Remember, like, skill disco music. So many yeah. different reactions. Yeah, and then you get that like, oh, like if you put on "Sabotage" by Beastie Boys, you get yeah. like, oh, fuck yeah, yeah. It starts nodding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's like th- this is the one that gives you the, oh yeah, yeah. it's not <laughs> yeah. quite. The, ooh, delirium yeah. sounds. Ooh, or the, yeah, rhythm is yeah. the dance. It's crazy. It just has that. So that is "Born Slippy Nooks," mm. which is the correct title. Born Slippy Nooks. Yeah. I never yeah, knew about the, the nooks, on, by the way. 
Well, it's because on Trainspotting they named it wrong. They just called uh, it Born Slippy. I'd say someone was writing that goes, take out that Nooks, not realizing yeah. that Born Slippy, Slippy is uh, already a song by them. That's a different thing. Uh, it's a B-side, actually. Yeah, so, so who's your next one? My next one is the one that has the maddest story um, in this list for me, anyway. And it's cool. Black Box Black Box with Ride on Time from 1990. Oh, Jesus, this is fucking murderous. Yeah. So, Ridiculous. All right. This is fucking mad. So... Black Box started off as a production team and uh, they went under loads of different names. They had like a Starlight Invention Crew, then just Starlight, then Mixmaster, and then eventually Black Box. But they were kind of writing music and producing music uh, for loads of people. They're an Italian group. Uh, Daniel Danoli. Really Italian? Italian, yeah. Uh, Daniel Danoli, or Davoli, sorry. Valerio Semplici and Mirko Limoni uh, were, the, were the three guys involved in it. Now, this is this is very fucking weird. When they came up with Black Box, <coughs> oh, fucking hell, it's mad. They came up with, with the idea for Black Box. They wanted it to be kind of, fuck, how do I even describe this? They kind of handcrafted an image of what Black Box was, right? So yeah. they approached a French fashion model called Catherine Quinall and said, listen, we want you to be on the cover of the album. And we want you to be like the face of the band. And she was like, but I can't sing. And they were like, don't worry about that. That's grand. Don't worry. So they went off and they uh, recruited a couple of different singers. One main singer in particular that I'm going to get to now in a second. And uh, they went in and they recorded uh, basically what they said were demos. Right? There's the police. The busies, that's two or three cops going by. Um, they recruited a couple of different singers to kind of do demos for an album. And they paid people fuck all money. They were like, you know, there's 150 quid a song or whatever. Right. Demos, don't worry about it. And eventually they went off and they used those demo cuts on the album and released it and made a fucking fortune. Okay. Now, in 1991, Catherine Quinnall leaves, right? So she's only been in the group for a year. Right, fronting them, doing gigs, lip syncing, all this type of shit, right? Yeah, like you have to remember that the people who are behind this DJ wise and organized now, they're the ones that will always be in a job. But the amount of these people, like Snap, for instance, yeah, they'll replace like a revolving door. Oh, big time, big time. And, um, and like, that I know it sounds here. crazy, but you just get someone that looks like that singer. If yeah. it's a skinny white girl with short blonde hair, big time, just get another yeah. one like that. Yeah, whatever. If it's a black girl with curly hair, just make sure you get a black girl with curly hair that Big looks time. like that. And and it's crazy because it's it's just you get you just like someone could go to another country and you wouldn't know because you course. know at the time you don't know. The, now we know all the names and we know the histories because we've got Wikipedia and stuff. Exactly. Like Back then it was all just magazines, hearsay. Now we just, go, now we just go. Well, that's the band that are playing, so therefore that's the one I know. Exactly. So they always match them. Yeah. yeah. With, Exactly. So it turns out that the singer they used on this song in particular and for like six or seven other songs on this album was a woman called Martha Walsh who was in a group called Tons of Fun, Two Tons of Fun. Two Tons of Fun (laughs) changed their name and they were the Weather Girls. It's raining. It's raining men. Um, Martha Walsh was the main vocalist and it's raining men. Hallelujah. By the way, by the way, it's raining men. Is an absolutely underrated song. Killer, like killer song, like killer. But like, I know it. I know when I say underrated, I mean like I know if it's massively rated. It's huge. Yeah. Everyone loves it as a fun. But listen to the composition of "It's Raining mm. Men." 
It's fucking yeah. murderously good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I would so, say. So good. So good. Yeah. So that was Marta Walsh singing Right On Time. So the song everybody knows is fucking no Right On Time. Yeah. Now, <laughs> she caught wind of this in 1990 when the song came out. Because she, she's a weather girl. Because <laughs> she's in the fucking weather girls, right? So she'd recorded this demo like a fucking couple of years beforehand. And uh, she heard it and she's like, that's me singing. And I only got paid 150 fucking quid for it. So it brought the card sealed into fucking oblivion. Into fucking oblivion. Now, she sued them. It's raining lawyers. Yeah. (laughs) She sued them. And then fucking, uh, uh, what's her name? Lolietta fucking Holloway sued them as well. Yeah. For you, I think she got on the blower. Lilith, check this out, man. I just got yeah. all this. You should do the same. She's you like, should do the same. But it turns out they'd use yeah, a sample. Man. They'd use a sample from Love Sensation without fucking clearing it as well. Oh, so hit from this. Oh, you don't. These do that. lads were getting fucking pigged out of it, right? Now here's <laughs> where it gets even double interesting. So in the fucking midst of all this fucking madness that's going on, right? They're like, we have to fuck. This song is huge, but every time it gets played. We're getting fucking reefed out of it by Martha Welch. So they'd already come to a settlement with Lolietta Holloway. So giving her a few quid. They were in the middle of dealing with this Martha Welch thing. So they went back into the recording studio and they re-recorded the vocals with a little known singer called Heather Small. He was the singer from MP. They re recorded right on time. Not yeah. right on time. Right on time. With her. Right on time. time. We had a small from M People, yep. Yeah. It's just before M People were fucking huge. She was just a session musician or whatever. So yeah. they re recorded before and re released, and I'm still doing fucking big business. But people are like, that sounds a bit different. That's I don't know about this. Cause you're right on time. Instead of cause you're right on time. No, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Heather Small is probably a lovely woman. Don't like her voice. And that's fine. I'm sure sure she'll live with my assessment of her voice. She'll live with that. Now now it's all being kind of half-sorted. And just both versions of the songs are doing the rounds. There's the Martin Walsh version and the Heather Small version. Yeah, yeah. Um, So she's, uh, Marta sued them in 1990 and she, she ended up, by the end of 1990, she'd made a fucking shit ton of money off them. Um, this case ended up creating a worldwide music legislation about vocal credits. Um, no way. Like, it literally changed the law. And the law now states that, like, no matter how small somebody's contribution is, they have to be credited on it. Now, they can forgo royalties. They can sign something saying you're not getting any royalties. But if they sang on it, or do, if they fucking drop the pen in the recording and it's on the recording, they have to get a credit for some sort of yeah. extra musician fucking credit or whatever. But yeah, that changed the music law around the world. This case, it was fucking, it literally it broke the fucking the music world apart because these lads were lying left, right, and center. Like, oh, it's a demo getting released. Yeah, uh, uh, no, no, she making, didn't sing it. They were making a shit ton of money. On. Exactly, yeah, and then crazy. they. Mill- I'm, glad they, I'm kind of glad they got caught. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Then they milly vanillied themselves by having a fucking uh, fashion model lip sync for an entire year before people copped it, and then people uh, then, then right. people realised it wasn't even her singing the original one. The first place, completely different fucking woman. Um, so it was really, really fucking interesting what they done. It was fucking mad. Yeah. Uh, but that was black box with right on time, which I always thought was right on time. Until, You'll always get the true story out of a black box. You will. You will. 
Um, you get the exact, exact info you need. But only after it goes down in flames. Who was your next one? <laughs> this is my last one, so mm. I've picked an important song as well. We've picked a very good playlist. I know it's, it might seem to some people quite obvious, some of the stuff we've picked, but mm. like, we can't... We, ha- we had to pick these. So I'm finishing with Insomnia by Faithless because it's from 1996 because mm. it's just... Yuck. Another one of those songs I heard and went, "What the fuck is this? <clears throat> this is insane!" And I remember the do you remember the first time you heard this, and it sounds like it could be this song could be the Prodigy or yeah. Massive Attack at the start. Yeah, it's like a combo of the two. It's the it way is it always like a, felt to me. Yeah. yeah. So it's got so Sister Bliss and Rollo, who's actually mm. whose sister is actually Dido. Uh, his his sister is Dido, and Maxi Jazz, who's the vocalist. Mm. He was ancient, even back then. Yeah, yeah. So you hear him singing, and you're like, okay, those vocals are kind of cool, and it's really fit really well. It's really dark, and it's almost like, I won't say industrial, but it has that bleak fucking outlook, because it's a song about insomnia. It actually Mm. really invokes the feeling of just repetitive Mm. sort of brain half awake kind of thing. Um, And it's going along, and it's like, deep, do and the beats yeah. are great and his vocals and like I said the, even the lyrics are fine lyrics are fine vocals are great but then in the middle <laughs> of it when it stops mm. I can't get no sleep and yeah. then it cuts to that synth riff mm. I remember the first time I heard that I fucking shot myself I was like that's disgustingly good <laughs> it's no, that's, prod- that's Prodigy no that's very similar yes. oh, that, that's I'm too far away in the week. Yeah. I'm leaning forward so I'm not getting smoke in my eyes. It's just like so good. Yeah. I remember it has the that is that is one of the best bits in any dance song ever. Ever. And it probably is slightly influenced by Prodigy No Good because it has a touch of that going on there. Yeah. But um Oh my god! Like the first time I heard that, and I'm I've still never really been a massive Faithless fan. Yeah, like I remember like, uh, like fucking uh, was it God as a DJ? God as a DJ. They had another great song called We Come One. Yeah, they're more of a they're more of an actual like album band. They're a serious yeah. thing, like, like the Prodigy or or Massive Attack. They were like career. Yes, they were in it. Like, yeah. They're in it absolutely in it from the night from the mid nineties onwards. They were yeah. absolutely going to do it. so. Uh, I saw them live in 2001 and then again a few years later and they are the sorry they were that good live they're not mm. they're not really together anymore they're not together anymore so they retired yeah, he, he released his own album didn't he yeah yeah they, they've, they've all been doing their own thing well, Sherman yeah. Rollo did Dido's first album how oh, many right. that like bajillions a disgusting amount yeah because she like, bounced off Eminem yeah that's right with Stan and stuff yeah. so She's um, a big boost off that, like big boost. I don't think she has a very good voice. It's, it's weak. It's there weak. There will be no white flag above my head. Probably if she writes all them hooks, then she's a great hook writer. Yeah. Absolutely. Like as well as like you don't need to have a powerful voice to have a good voice. I just always found her voice a bit ha ha ma ha 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 but like anyway, aside from that. Did you know that Maxi Jazz races cars in his spare time? Not and anymore. He must be 90. In 2011, he became a director at Crystal Palace Football Club, his lifelong 
club. Well, that's cause they can't um, race cars anymore. That's why. I don't know. Maybe he can. He has not, to be like, a hundred. Professionally, he never did a. I don't think he did it professionally. Just not like Vanilla Ice, like not like Vanilla Ice or your man from Boyzone, Shane Lynch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, uh, I'm going to leave it there because Insomnia is like everyone knows that they're already listening to it in their head. It's like hmm. Insomnia, please release me. It's fucking. It's. I think it's great. Like I think the lyrics are great. I remember thinking like, this is something a little bit more like the first time I heard. Uh, born Slippy mm. I thought this is a little bit different when you have a song built around a dance hit mm. like there's an entire song they did like if you if they didn't go into the it could still be a good song he's a he's 60 he's 63 63 yeah he old he's pretty old he was out I always remember him like because that that was about 20 odd years ago so fucking 25 years ago something like that so, yeah. yeah, he was, and he fucking looked old back then as well. He's fucking he younger than me when that came out. Jesus Christ, he looked older <laughs> than me. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been through, he'd been, he had a band called fucking Soul. Yeah, I think he played guitar in a, in, a, in a band for years, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they were doing the rounds with like DJs and stuff like that as well. Mm. So he was, that's obviously he heavily involved in that scene. Like. Yeah, so I think that's where he met Rollo, and that's when they decided to go, let's do this Fateless thing. Mm. And it's such a, Unique, like if you look at that band, right? You got this older looking black lad, this kind of girl with short blonde hair, mm. and then this kind of small dude with he, I think he had curly, he's bald now, but he was like curly, like black hair. Like, mm. if you were to look at that band and not know the music, you would never guess what they were. Yeah, yeah, it's such a unique looking band. Not, yeah, that, yeah. not that the looks mattered at all, but I think it did intrigue people oh very much i do think a, a selection of characters that look like they don't quite go together went yeah, together so yeah. well like so yeah. well a group has to have like mad cohesion it has to be like ghosts or something where like it's a theme or it has to be just yeah. a mad fucked up like coupling uh, like a grouping yeah. of madness like because before that fateless looked like people being interviewed on the street yes so uh how do you feel about brexit and stuff like that but they're not. They're a band. Yeah, exactly. And they're all together, and they're fucking brilliant. Like they're yes. really. They're another album band. Like yeah, so, big uh, time, big time. Rev- Reverence, I think, is the name. Because your man is quite religious. Maxi Chad is quite religious. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, the first album was Reverence. Or, yeah, Reverence, and the second one was Sunday eight p.m. Do you remember that? Remember that the album cover with the billboard sign yeah. in America and stuff yeah. like that. I remember that. That's great as well. This is just. They're a, they're a band. They're a songs band, but they're exactly. also a, dan- a dance band. So that's uh, that's Insomnia. Who is your next one? Last, uh, one, my, last, last one? one, yeah. Last one is a big one. Is uh, Robert Moyles with Children. Oh, stop. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Yep. Um, so uh, this song came out in 1995. Uh, Robert died in 2017. That's right, yeah. Um, so he's a Swiss-born Italian musician and composer. Um, Swiss-Italian. Yeah, Swiss Italian. He was more of a composer than a fucking kind of dance guy. He just, I think he done a little bit of everything. Uh, this song sold five million copies. It was fucking huge. Holy huge. shit. Um, so when he was younger um, in Italy, he worked as a DJ to, uh, he wanted to open his own recording studio and he ended up, he made enough money DJing to open up his own recording studio and he ended up opening up a pirate radio station as well. Um, in the mid nineties, while Children yeah. was huge, he had a pirate radio station. Um, this album was Dreamland. 
this was a huge album. Everybody bought this fucking album as well off the back of this yeah. single. There's a few um, decent songs on it as well, if I remember. There is, yeah. And, and again, it's not all... He had a weird particular style because he, he played loads of different instruments. He learned how to play piano from a very young age. But so you, that that's what I'm saying. You can tell that like a lot of people like had a little bit of a synth riff or a piano riff. Hmm. You can tell that he could play piano just based he, on yeah. children. He was a musician. You know, he wasn't just yeah, sample, yeah. like gluing samples together and throwing beats behind them. He was a fucking musician. He was a composer. Um, the song had the song, the song. Okay. Right. There's a couple of weird things about this fucking song. Um, fact number one is that it cost 150 pounds to record. That's it. 150 pounds. pounds so, yeah. the, so, so he just went in and probably like, well, uh, how does a DJ, not a DJ, well, he was a DJ, but how does a DJ producer uh, attack it in a different way? He probably just went in and went, maybe the 150 quid was just to mix it. Maybe he wrote it all on a, on a, would have been, I'd say if he handed it in, cause there's piano on it. He probably wanted like a good grand piano with good microphones and that type of shit. I'd say he had most of it worked out at home. He just wanted to get all the stuff kind of cut himself. Oh yeah. He um, could have went to the studio and absolutely banged that out in a yeah, day for exactly. 150 quid. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So 150 quid is what it cost. Um, this song kind of got famous off the back of a bidding war from being played on P Tong's show. So Pete Tong in the UK used to do this thing where every week he'd like pick his like pick of the week and uh, it was usually uh, an up and coming song or an underground song and he picked this song like three weeks in a row and fucking everybody went mad and started this big bidding war with all these different record labels that wanted to sign Robert Wales. And uh, eventually he got picked. He got picked up by one label and jumped to another one. And he was kind of well. He was kind of known beforehand, but this would have been his big, big break into the mainstream. Because Children was a huge, huge, huge fucking song. Yeah. Now, this is fucking mad because the reason he wrote this song, there was a big thing that was happening in the nineties where lads were driving to raves out in the middle of nowhere. Right. right. So you had clubs and cities, but then you had like warehouse raves and fucking farmhouse raves and all this kind of shit. And because raves weren't really, it wasn't a drinking culture, it was more of a pill culture. People were going to the raves, driving out and just bringing like fucking eight liters of water with them and a bag of pills and taking a load of pills, drinking the water. And then when it was over the next morning, they jump in their car and they'd fuck off. They drive home. Yeah. So there was this big movement that started in the 90s for DJs, their last song or two to be real chilled out, to tr- stop people being aggravated when they get into the car and driving fast and oh, dying. Right, there was yeah. people dying all the time coming home from raves because they were fucking amped out of mind. They'd been fucking hopping around like lunatics all night at raves. And then they get in that car and full on Colin McRae rally fucking home. Full Jesus. on, right? So there was this uh, movement that started and it was started off the back of this song, Children. He designed, because he was DJing himself and he was writing his own, his own music and throwing it into his, his sets. And he designed Children, because um, it's a little bit longer, it's like five, six minutes long. Um, I think there might be like yeah. an eight minute version cut of it as well. That this was designed to be his last song in his set. So people would just fucking chill out and start kind of recognizing their surroundings and fucking coming back down to earth. So when they did get in their car, and that's they could why, is that why the video has like, you're in a car. You're in, it's a, in car. a car and it's, it's going by, and they're just yep. looking at like all calm and peace. Ah, yep. fucking, that's crazy. So that's that's what the basis of the song was, just to chill people the fuck out and get them home yeah. in one piece. Uh, so he died in a beta in um, in May 2017. It was stage four metastatic cancer um, that he'd been kind of dealing with for a long time. He was running uh, an FM and an online online radio station. 
um, out there, and it was shut down for a couple of months. And people were people loved his radio station; they fucking loved yeah. it. So it was everybody was like, "Is, is it going to come back? Is it going to fucking, um, you know, he was going to take it over?" And he had he had a couple of mates out there as well that took it over. Apparently, it's still running to this day. Yeah, um, he released five albums, and it was literally everything from like dance music to jazz. Um, he done soundtracks, really? done soundtrack to like the Born Identity. He done a bunch of soundtracks um, as well. But yeah, it was, that, that fucking there's a bit of meat in that in that song but especially with the fucking sending people home fucking calm um, and the fact that it only cost 150 quid and sold 5 million copies is fucking yeah. mental but yeah that's my last one that's Robert Miles with Children I remember hearing that first time and being it's just so relaxing do you know there's very few songs I think you can play three single notes and someone wouldn't know what that song was but that do, do, do. They would Apparently, know exactly what song you would were playing. Someone, someone came out around the time the song came, was was about some mate of his, some other fucking DJ, and said that like that little fucking riff, that fucking do, 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 do yeah. said that that was his, and that he gave permission for Robert to use Maybe. it, and Robert Maybe. never denied it. So I don't know, it was something fucking weird where that might not have been his own composition like he, he obviously composed everything else but that fucking do 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 fucking riff was someone else's but that could have been a cat play that walking across the piano you know what i mean um <laughs> you're talking cat be able to do the vocals and everything man that was robert moyle's children and that was the end of this week's 90s dance podcast yes that was a it cool might one. seem quite obvious to some but to be honest with you you know for a fact that when you listen to this playlist you're gonna be like yep yeah, it's a big good one. Shit. Big one. Uh, <laughs> 90s dance was a huge part of my childhood. Like, well, I say childhood, it's grown my, my formative years. Yeah. Grown up between like 13 and 17. Yeah, pre ball hair and ball hair. I loved it. And I Getting... still love this music. Like, people like go, you're into metal and all. Like, I'm actually more into 80s and dance than I would be into metal. I do like metal, of course, but I'm not one of those full simpletons that can only listen to metal yeah, I just like silly. metal yeah. just riffs anything else if you have a melody in it it's it's like a penis going into you like no it's not it's well maybe music. it is it's all Whatever. fucking music like nonsense Jesus Christ to devoid it up like that it's yeah good, good is fucking good it's that bleeding simple like and that's why I can listen to Opet and I can listen to Robert Miles Children in the same exactly session. exactly I just it's don't, just, yeah I don't see it's this. literally just music fucking leave it be like, it's like films. Like, do you only watch documentaries, or do you only watch films about the fish farming crisis? What the fuck? Like, what's the point? You only watch films from uh, the director Yui Ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you only yeah. do one thing? Like, film, oh, no, I watch any kind of film. I don't listen to any kind of music. Anyway, yeah, exactly. that's my point. That there was a mix between. Rockers and the Ravers around the nineties. There definitely, definitely was. Uh, that's us for this week. We'll be back next week. Um, if you're listening to this, hopefully you heard us on uh, Saturday Night Gone, which was our one year anniversary, our birthday party. Yes, it was. Yeah, um, yeah, a whole fucking year, madness. We'll get it. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about it on Saturday night. This is weird because we're talking about it before Saturday night happens, but you're here. Yeah, like the world, could, the world could explode. He might even not, not get to do it. Fingers. Well, I'm going to upload it now, so uh, the aliens will, if they're subscribed to the podcast, the aliens will most certainly uh, hear it. Speaking of people who are subscribed to the podcast uh, and the ones that are uh, signing, or sorry, that that uh, are signing up to Patreon, we really appreciate it because yes. you just you just don't, whatever about what you get from Patreon, you are making this 
weekly one and the radio show happened basically without yeah. use we couldn't do the free one or the radio show no so, no way uh, we really appreciate it and if you think Couldn't that maybe now you're, you're in a position that you could uh so the patreon and help us out uh, it's not just another random one that we go oh there's another five grand everything helps and everything yes. pushes it a little forward yeah. a little bit more so uh, yeah shit is expensive yo it's fucking expensive it we have a website on the way don't we yeah website's up now website is oh, live yeah lostartpodcast.com we got lucky we were able to get the actual fucking t- it's not like lost art hyphen pod hyphen cast dot fucking trinidad and tobago forward slash <laughs> fucking dot net like it's you know dot cz yeah exactly what's that little squiggly what's that little squiggly uh the tilde tilde yeah um yeah we don't have any start a site that's just like that tilde symbol symbol tilde hashtag yeah com with just the tilde as her name it could be just tilde i think it's tilde i'm not totally sure i love tilde swinton i'd watch her in anything well, yeah. Anything I'd watch her in. I don't think you can have characters like that in uh, website I, addresses. I think you should have her playing David Bowie. Tilda Swinton playing True. David Bowie. True. She'd do the job, wouldn't she? Ziggy played guitar. Deadly, do it. <laughs> anyway, it that's us uh, for this week. We will be back uh, next week with some more delicious podcast juice for y'all. Uh, see you then. See you.